0: Today on Ag News Daily. The ability because of Fieldview
1: that farmers and, and industry individuals can interact and connect with even platform partners.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Madison Hunt, come here with my co-host, Miss Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you doing today?
2: Madison, I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off all day. I had to go do my taxes and this and that. And I'm getting ready to head to Orlando tomorrow for, like, literally 24 hours. So this week has been kind of hectic. But uh, what about you? How's your week going? How's your day going? It's not
0: too bad. It's a little icy outside. So that's the only really bad thing. But
2: mine is
0: definitely not as stressful as yours.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's just busy. It's like I keep thinking – like, I keep looking ahead at my calendar and being like, yeah, next week we'll slow down. And then it's like, oh, well, then you start scheduling meetings and you have this and that. And it's like, eh, okay, mm-hmm. well, in reality, this is not – this is my busy time where it's, like, a lot of – especially row crop producers, it's kind of their relaxing time. Or, like, a lot of folks will go on vacation or spend some time in the warm weather. And it's like, Uh, this is not my slow time. This is, like, my fast time. When they're yeah. all in the fields, I get to kick back and hang out <laughs> with them in the combine or whatever. So – but that's uh, the way it works i guess
0: i guess so so do, what do you have for new news today
2: well let's start off here we've talked a little bit about african swine fever we haven't had any big updates here but as ted seifern and i were talking about it yesterday we've now seen some cases reported in vietnam it's continuing to spread are we really seeing the true effects of african swine fever i don't know yet Um, Of course, China's media is pretty censored. However, we did see this article come out just, I believe it was this morning, I'm sorry, two days ago in the New York Times, talking about how China's tech firms are kind of trying to take the lead on getting this disease, this African swine fever disease, in control. And tech companies are scrambling to roll out facial and voice recognition and other kind of unproven ways or uncharted ways to try and save hogs. So voice and facial recognition would essentially use a database of every pig's face. They detect, through the voice scans, they detect hogs with coughs. They would have robots that dispense the right amount of feed. A lot of Chinese companies are pushing and pursuing this facial and voice recognition. However, interestingly enough, when you look at the cost for it, I'm not sure it really makes sense. A veterinarian from the City University of Hong Kong was quoted in the article and said he's a little hesitant to see if something like this would actually work because tagging a pig's ear with the normal process for tracking pig health, you know, just a typical ear tag is somewhere around Mm -hmm. 30 cents per pig. And he's saying facial mapping costs at this current point in time or the stage in technology would be around $7 per pig. So he doesn't think it's very economical it might not be very savvy for producers especially those smaller scale producers who've gotten hit pretty hard to use something like this with a with a cost that high
0: that is a huge cost especially for producers but that also kind of sounds like um, robotic milkers in dairy Mm -hmm. when they scan the tags and do everything Um, but facial recognition for a pig that seems very out there kind of crazy actually but if that is Able to be done, that's kind of a huge kind um, step forward, I would say, right. in production. It would be still mm-hmm. be a huge cost.
2: Yeah, and it seems like I'm trying to think. I know we interviewed somebody on the podcast for Tech Tuesday, which actually is today, um, but we interviewed somebody a while back that was doing something similar to this in the United States. I can't remember the the company, but they were doing something pretty similar, trying to use facial facial recognition to essentially um, charter hogs health through this facial recognition software. So I don't know, could be um, a new market maybe in China, maybe not, who knows if it'll take off, but something they're working on really to control this African swine fever disease.
0: Yeah, that is kind of crazy. That's good that they are trying to control it too, because it is a huge impact, especially on the Chinese um, kind of pork market since they do consume so much pork. Um, So I think it it could be a huge step forward, but you just kind of have to see how it plays out.
2: Absolutely. And actually, while we're talking about Chinese trade and Chinese pork, the US-China trade talks that happened last week um, wasn't all apparently about just intellectual property and soybean purchases. Secretary Perdue said that U.S. and Chinese negotiators also discussed some of the nitty-gritty with China's trade barriers related to the growth prom- promoter ractopamine, which limits U.S. pork production because if they use ractopamine in production, they're not allowed to export it to China. So producer, that was another key issue and, and maybe part of the reason here we really haven't seen, or on paper we maybe haven't seen as many hogs getting sent over to China as we first expected when this African swine fever outbreak happened
0: okay so they don't want that in right. their
2: pork basically okay yep. yep they're like they like hormone or growth free hogs okay. I would almost okay. it would be kind of like not really organic but you could kind of maybe compare it to organic farming not or like, using a lot of antibiotics or yeah
0: like antibiotic free yep
2: not using think- a lot of growth yeah. promotion in the feed mm-hmm. medicated feeds that kind of thing so mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and to kind of go along with Chinese trade, since the trade talks are still happening, Trump has said that he's is planning on delaying the increase in U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods. Um, he had planned to raise the tariffs to 25 percent from 10 percent on about 200 billion dollars worth of Chinese goods um, that were being imported but he did say that he's going to delay this because they are being very productive in their talks and they're hoping to kind of come to a final decision
2: soon. Yes, something definitely we're watching, no doubt. Yes,
0: yes. So
2: can see how that kind of progresses. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yep, and as Ted mentioned yesterday, kind of with that, it's just really a wait-and-see game at this point. But Mm -hmm. for the second year in a row, we've seen – Especially, let's see, I think it was just earlier this year, the U.S. um, essentially put forth a claim in the WTO, the World Trade Organization, specifically arguing that China and a couple of other countries, including India and Indonesia, were playing unfairly when it came to the trade aspect. And so this year, China is attempting to lower their government subsidized floor plan for corn as well as wheat. So their new support price program, it's what essentially what I would consider crop insurance or subsidy money. Their new minimum support price for wheat has been lowered to $325 per metric ton as they're continuing to try and bring their wheat prices closer to commercial market realities on the world market. Of course, we know China is a communist country, so they don't really play the same way on the world market that the rest of us do but uh Steve Mercer who we've had on the podcast oh quite a while ago now but a spokesman for the US Wheat Associates says that that $325 per metric ton on wheat translates to roughly $8.84 per bushel for wheat and if you look at the futures contract right now May delivery is somewhere sitting around somewhere around $4.34 so we still are seeing them, quote-unquote, lowering this floor to still being double what U.S. wheat producers are receiving, which, of course, just creates another unlevel playing field that doesn't entice the Chinese to buy from other countries, especially United States and Russia and some of those other folks that are global producers of wheat. It does not entice them to look outside of their borders if they can source it from within the country first.
0: Yeah, so they're... Kind of just trying to use local goods first, correct? And then moving on Delaney. So I read a report today that President Trump is traveling to Vietnam Mm -hmm. um, for his second summit with North Korea's Kim Jong-un, who is there waiting for him. And they are kind of expected to discuss further efforts to establish a relationship between our two countries. Mm -hmm. And this is actually making China a little bit nervous. President Xi is still being supportive but i know china and north korea don't really get along quite that well yeah. so um but trump is just kind of trying it to avoid a future nuclear testing so
2: well i think maybe i don't know this is just me speculating so i think maybe part of the concern too is Uh, China still pretty much regularly trades with North Korea. So I'm wondering, too, if China is maybe nervous about their future relationship with North Korea because they are looking at the United States as being a potential competitor to send... I mean, that would be, you know, way on down the road before we ever had open trade talks with North Korea of all countries. But I don't know if maybe that's in the back of China's mind, too, is are they going to come in and take over this marketplace that we've secured for so long?
0: Yeah. And when I saw that, I thought that was kind of interesting because I am not super familiar with kind of the trade between um,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. like China and North Korea. And so I was kind of wondering, you know, why would China be so nervous about Trump trying to kind of mend our relationship with North Korea? So
2: I don't know. That's totally me speculating, but it kind of makes sense. Mm hmm. Yep,
0: but I thought that was very interesting, but I th-
2: thought I would bring it up. Well, there is apparently a lot of trade news or world news today because we've also got some news here about the ratification of the USMCA agreement. A new coalition of more than 200 businesses and farm and manufacturing groups are pushing Congress to ratify the USMCA agreement and get it through as quick as possible. The new, the uh, groups span kind of all aspects of agriculture, American Farm Bureau, American Soybean Association, Cargill, John Deere, just to list a few. And they're essentially just, again, trying to, I guess, entice both sides of the bipartisan line, Democrats and Republicans, both to sign this agreement, get it ratified, get it done and moved on. So we have some other things to look out here on the horizon.
0: So Delaney, that's really good to hear, especially because, um, Just with everything that's happening, that is kind of a good outlook for these next few months with everything going on.
2: Absolutely. It would give some positive rhetoric, I think, to the trade markets right now. If we finally got USMCA at least signed and done, it would be kind of a bright spot.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely.
2: Well, Madison, I think the only other piece of news I have for today is... Uh, Again, about these small refiner waivers, which have gotten a lot of folks in the ethanol industry upset, the EPA has received an additional 15 requests for small refinery exemptions from ethanol usage mandates, Uh, but the issue has not, or the agency, excuse me, has not issued any waivers yet. As of Friday, they have received 37 waivers, uh, which compares to 22 in December and 15 in November and in 2017 compliance year 2017 they granted 29 hardship waivers so administrator wheeler is i don't know i think he seems kind of on the fence right now about what to do with these waivers just because they've created such disruption for the ethanol and corn industry and we still don't really know where he stands on this e15 year round we assume he supports it but he really hasn't been super vocal or super public about where he stands on those issues so it's again going to be a wait and see game
0: yes definitely and we can only hope that you know that they will support that e15 and um kind of ethanol can improve and right. um, can become more of more, used more throughout um the world i guess you could yeah, say
2: absolutely well that's all the news i had for today madison did you have anything else that our listeners should be aware of today I just have one thing, just kind
0: of a good news. Ivory Coast in West Africa, their cocoa farmers are expected to kind of see a huge rainstorm to kind of help boost crops. And this will um, help the size of the cocoa beans, which helps them um, kind of withstand heat. And then this is also good for their economy. So I just kind of thought those were some good news to end on today.
2: Well, it's definitely good news. Madison, let's take a look here at where the soybean and other grain markets left off for today. And, of course, folks, those commodity markets are sponsored by our partners at the Zayner Group. I want to reiterate to you guys one more time, Ted Seifert and Matt Zaner will be at the Commodity Classic this week. Hit them up on Twitter at the Ted Spread if you'd like to uh, meet up with Ted Seifert specifically. Or you can give them a call in the office anytime at 312-277-0050. Madison not pretty closes today on the grain screen. The March corn contract closed down four and a quarter cent at three sixty six and a quarter, while the May closed down four cents to close at three seventy six even. In the soybean pits, the March contract cut eight cents on today. Definitely not a pretty day as we look at all of the things going on right now in the world market. The May contract closed down eight cents as well to end at nine seventeen even. Wheat continuing its downward spiral, the March contract closed down 6.5 cents to end at 4.60 and a quarter, while the May down 4.5 cents to close at 4.68 and a quarter. Hopping over to look at the livestock pits, a much prettier screen today for them. The live cattle February contract up $1.02 and a half at 12957 and a half, while the April up 70 cents on the day to close at 12292 and a half the March feeder cattle pits up 95 cents to close at 143.45, the April up a dollar 12 and a half to close at 146.77 and a half. And the lean hog market's finally putting some strength back on the board today with the April contract up a dollar 82 and a half to close at 5572, the May up a dollar 47 and a half to close at 6532 and a half, and rounding out the day here with the February class 3 milk futures down a penny at 13.94. The March Up 20 cents to close at 15.27. Now, for today's Tech Tuesday interview, I'm going to be catching up with Ryan Eklund, who works with Climate Core technology and implements that on growers' fields and operations across the U.S. Well, as promised, for today's Tech Tuesday interview, I'm catching up with Ryan Eklund, who is the climate business manager for the Climate Corporation. Ryan, thanks so much for chatting with me today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: Okay, so before we get started, I want to add some clarity to folks who've maybe heard of either the Climate Corporation or... Climate FieldView. Can you break it down for us? What's the difference? What's the brand or what's the product here that you are representing?
1: Absolutely. The the brand in the marketplace is often referred to as FieldView. You'll know us from our FieldView Cab app and the FieldView Black app. Um, The company that I work for is the Climate Corporation. So oftentimes um, we get mixtures of our brand name, but Climate FieldView probably is the most consistent representation uh, that your farmers might uh, have heard or your listeners.
2: Awesome. So then my next question's got to be, Ryan, in the marketplace today, there's a lot of precision ag stuff. What does Climate FieldView or the FieldView brand, what are you guys doing as far as precision agriculture goes?
1: So the the FieldView brand in the marketplace is often associated with um, getting data all in one place, having a efficient, mobile form of farmer's data. It also, because it's all in one place, gives farmers a chance to see new insights that they might not have otherwise had. And then uh, as always in, in today's economic environment, help farmers understand more completely and optimize inputs uh, when available. But um, what's really cool is the power of platform for field view, those three pillars that I referred to but also the ability because of FieldView um, that farmers and and industry individuals can interact and connect with even platform partners that aren't FieldView necessarily, but they deliver a solution to their customers through the FieldView platform. So it's really quite a diverse uh, solution set for um, those in ag.
2: So tell me, the FieldView partners, is that seed companies, fertilizer companies? What are those partners that are working with FieldView to pass that on to their growers?
1: So uh, because of the platform status that we have and the usership that we uh, have the benefit of, digital ag companies um, have created solutions that are unique to their their own space. Perhaps it's sensory information, perhaps it's uh, uh, digital solutions through imagery, but they access and and connect with their farmers on the FieldView platform, um, which gets them the the connection that they need to um, have farmers make better decisions. We do associate um, very heavily with a lot of seed and, and uh, retail brands, which allows, in my benefit and my understanding, the benefit for the farmer of that power of trusted advisors. Most farmers, as I've got to know them, um, have a team of people that surround them, and so because FieldView is very focused on collaborative effort. Um, those farmers, along with their trusted advisors, can share and uh, evaluate and product performance and coming up with uh, new solutions. So um, those are some of the, the tenants of the platform.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've got to ask, the ag field or the precision ag field is very cluttered right now. I mean, you look across the industry. I don't want to name some of your competitors, but there are certainly competitors in this space What makes field views set up or operation different than some of those competitors?
1: I think that's a great question, Delaney. Uh, The thing that I think is our unique point is our relationship creation with the farmer and their multiple generations of input providers. Um, And when I mean inputs, the, the father, son, daughter combinations that go into creating plans and outcomes. I think the, uh, the word that I, I hear oftentimes from the marketplace is ease of use. Um, you pick up a field view uh, app on your iPad and you start interacting with it, and it, it just oftentimes makes sense. So data that farmers have had access to for years um, are simpler to understand and digest with tools like yield analysis and our field region report. And that that probably is our biggest differentiator is, is that ease of use and uh, – that collaboration opportunity
2: yeah ease of use is definitely one especially from some of those older farmers i mean my dad is kind of in that group where he's slow to adopt new technology so i think ease of use is a huge one um for the market right now so when i log into my field view app on my phone or computer or or a tablet what am i going to see what's the user interface and i guess what components can I generate or what information can I generate from using the app?
1: So I think that's a, another great question is when you log in, um, we're often, in just ag and life in general, looking for efficient ways to, to diagnose a problem or evaluate an outcome. And really what we just need is, is enough information to, to choose to dig in more or to choose to pass over and, and continue. And uh, when farmers log into their FieldView app, they have instantly at their their thumb's disposal uh, information to weather and rainfall. Um, They have the ability to access field health imagery or to look field by field into some of the platform opportunities that exist. So if they've connected, they'd have access to that information. Um, When you get into the app, another cool uh, feature is the yield analysis tool. So as harvest is, is either in process or winding down, whether it's their phone, iPad, or or other, a farmer can start to evaluate with their trusted advisors the outcomes of the plans that they put into place. So I often ask, what's your most productive soil type? It's sometimes interesting that the farmers know that answer, but they don't know how many acres it impacts and, and what the yield detriment is to that specific area of their farm. So... That's that's the quick overview of what the FieldView app might look like. Now, uh, our other app is the Cab app. Um, the FieldView Cab app is the app that most of our customers are familiar with through its integration with the FieldView 2020, um, or excuse me, the Precision Planting 20, or the FieldView Drive. It's kind of the the app that's most often known as the controller in the the equipment.
2: Okay, you've used a couple of terms there that I don't know, and so maybe some of our listeners don't know too. The Cab app, um, the Precision 20 or Yield 20, what were those terms? Can you break that down for me?
1: Yeah. No, so uh, the FieldView Cab app is uh, an app for the iPad that's um, now just recently available on the iPhone. But what that app exists to do is interact with the Precision Planting Control Monitor called the 2020 for both the yield sense and the seed sense. But then it also interacts very um, easily with the field view drive, which is our data collection that occurs um, at the at the tractor's ISO bus, which uh, I don't I don't want to get into all of that. Okay. Uh, any tractor that has a GPS signal and um, a rate message, we oftentimes can help farmers visualize uh, application or, or uh, equipment performance on their ipad so that's really the foundation of making good decisions is Mm -hmm. that ability for a farmer to collect good data and through cab app i go back to ease of use uh, cab app has created a very easy way to record um, what a farmer's doing in the field Um, it also gives them an opportunity to create some checks and, and evaluate product performance because they know exactly where it is and can then use the field view tools to help measure. We really believe every pass matters. And um, we're creating the compatibility for farmers to be able to map that.
2: So to get this information, this data to even map it in the first place, do I have to have sensors? Do I have to have like aerial imagery or drones to even get maps of my fields? Or how are you collecting that aspect of the information?
1: So uh, we don't necessarily need sensors or drones. Um, There's Satellite imagery that FieldView uses. That uh, when you get a FieldView Plus subscription, you get access to uh, that satellite imagery on the ground that you farm. It also provides you three years in in uh, historical reference data. So it's, it's very quick once you get on and started. Uh, within a, a matter of hours or short days, um, you'll be able to start making insights based on on imagery, and then. Um, I would like to also point out, even if you don't collect your yield data or your application and planting data with a FieldView drive or a 2020, FieldView can take that raw monitor data and import it into the system, and we've actually got a team in Iowa that's that's dedicated to doing that, um, and then once your farm data is on your iPad, you can start taking full advantage of the, the level of detail and the insights available now at your iPhone, iPad, or, or Android devices disposal.
2: Awesome. That's that so seems pretty, yeah pretty cut and dry. Um, Ryan, I guess kind of maybe a final wrap up question. How does the subscription model work? Do you have to work directly with FieldView? Can I work with partners of FieldView? And I guess what's the breakdown? What am I, what am I uh, expecting to, I guess cut out of my balance sheet for the year for a FieldView?
1: So with the FieldView uh, Plus subscription, it's an annual enrollment of $999. Um, You can purchase that through a lot of different distribution channels in the marketplace, Um, vendors and retailers, seed companies, agronomists and consultants. uh, Our FieldView dealer network is very robust. Um, There's also opportunity to log on and deal directly with FieldView, uh, should that be a, a path you choose. We believe the, the annual uh, subscription model is a good, good model because it allows farmers to, to get enrolled and it's, it's just a part of their, their operation. I also want to make sure that the, your listeners of the podcast understand that, that we believe in the product and uh, we're willing to give customers that aren't very familiar with digital ag and potentially have some hesitation about what value or solutions it might bring to their operation a chance to use FieldView for their first year um, through the Try It, Buy It program, which essentially delays payment to the to the end. Free opportunity to kick the tires on digital ag, to partner with their trusted advisor and, and see what opportunities in their business they have to, to make better decisions and, and improve their outcomes.
2: Awesome. Well, Ryan Eklund, again, thank you so much for filling us in on Climate Corporation.
1: Yeah, no, thank you very much. It was fun to do a podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed it. We'll have to have you
2: on again sometime. Yeah,
1: thank you very much, Delaney. Have a great day.
2: Well, interesting stuff there that they're doing at Climate Core Madison, there is so much fascinating technology. Oh, and I just wanted to say I got confirmation we're going to have the, uh, the Tinder cow app people on for next Tuesday's Tech Tuesday interview. I'm excited about that one.
0: That is so exciting. I cannot wait to hear from them.
2: Yeah, that will be a super fun one for sure. But folks, if you have interview ideas or maybe you want to share your thoughts on the Ag News Daily podcast, feel free to shoot us a message on Facebook or on Twitter at Ag News Daily. Or you can always shoot us a new message at our home, globalagnetwork.com. Madison, with that, should we let the folks go? Let's let them go.